Welcome to the Not Old Better Show. I'm Paul Vogelsang, and this is episode number 410. As part of our Art of Living Artist interview series, we're speaking today with Lindsey Graham. This is a real treat for you and me. Lindsey Graham is a fellow podcaster and is doing some amazing things with his podcasts. As an example, Lindsey Graham hosts, among others, the American History Tellers podcast, which debuted at number one on Apple Podcasts. Wow, congrats to Lindsay and his excellent airship team. Today, however, we're talking all things U.S. presidential elections. Lindsey Graham hosts the new podcast from Wondery titled American Elections Wicked Games. I'm going to play a clip from American Elections Wicked Game at the end of my conversation with Lindsey Graham, but you'll love this podcast and you'll love hearing from Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham is a podcaster, he's a voice artist, he's a composer and producer. As I mentioned, Lindsey Graham is the host of American History Tellers podcast and American Scandal. He is also the creator and executive producer of the audio drama Terms, the executive producer of 1865, and of course, American Elections Wicked Game podcast from Wondery. Join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show via internet phone, Lindsey Graham, as we talk about American Elections Wicked Game, the history of presidential elections, and the pure entertainment value from the show in learning more about history. Lindsey Graham, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to talk with you, a fellow podcaster, a very successful one uh, with uh, several shows, a hardworking man, too. I I know that uh, uh, absolutely about you. But we're going to spend our time talking about American Elections Wicked Game. I, I love that name. But I wondered if you'd tell us a little bit about the show. It's probably, you know, much too simplistic to say, well, these are just stories of American elections through the eyes of everyday Americans, but maybe that's really exactly what it is. But I'll leave it to you. Tell us a little bit about the show, Wicked Game. Well, yeah, I suppose that it's most basic. It is a survey of American elections. We have, when it began October 8th, we had 58 weeks or 57 weeks until the 2020 election. And uh, just so happens that there are 58 presidential elections in our history. Uh, that wasn't a coincidence, of course. Um, so every week, this show, American Elections Wicked Game, sir, takes a look at one American election in chronological order. We started with, with George Washington's first. Uh, but it's not just a history show. It has a mission. Uh, and, and that mission is to remind us that in our troubled times now, that uh, this isn't really that new, that we have always or almost always been in a, set, in a, in a state of political turmoil, especially around pre- presidential elections. And so I wanted to bring that sort of look back in order to, to comfort and assuage us in, in our moment today. I'm a listener. I, I enjoy it. And I, I like the premise. I, I live just outside of, of Washington, D.C., so I, I truly get it. But the production values, the reenactments, the audio techniques, all of that is just top, top level. It's great stuff. You, you, you've got to have been doing this for a while, right? I mean, you're just really expert at all of this. <laughs> well, uh, thank you. I, I am certainly professional at it in that it's my uh, full-time job now, but it really has not been uh, until just the last two years. Um, I have always been a, uh, a, a 
I almost said audio file, but that's not the right word, a recording file. So I, I've, I've been in bands since, since mm-hmm. uh, college, um, and, but I, I've never been the best musician uh, and just gravitate to the recording process itself. And so uh, I've had a, a little home recording studio. I'm in, I'm in it now uh, for years and years and years, decades and decades, really. Uh, so the, the art of twiddling knobs and positioning microphones is, is something that I, I got good at. Um, but being on this side of the microphone, as opposed to recording someone else, is altogether new and, uh, and something that just happened by accident a few years ago. Uh, I, I, like we said before the interview started here, um, my career tra- trajectory into podcasting was similar to yours in that uh, I was suddenly not in the workforce. <laughs> and, um, hey boy, nicely uh, um, uh, so, but I, I loved audio and, and, and I got, per, you know, the blessing of my wife to try and make a go at it of building a business, uh, in audio, since I already have, you know, kind of the infrastructure. Uh, and I started a company, a small company with a partner and we, we focused initially on, on, on audiobooks and, but wanted to expand into podcasts. And the very first podcast we, we put out was a ambitious audio drama. So, you know, the, the sound design fully acted, uh, callback to to radio plays of of, of old, mm. um, and the only the only company that was interested in distributing it was was Wondery, um, and that that introduction it did come out. It's called Terms, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, but that was an introduction to to Wondery to Hernan Lopez, the CEO there, and although my little. Uh, company didn't work out uh for me uh it did the introduction to wondery certainly did because a year after i pretty much decided that that i the audio thing wasn't working for me um i got a call and an invitation to become the voice of advertising for a wondery show called dr john their host was a journalist and was contractually obligated not to to endorse anything so they needed someone to 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 read the ads, and and so I wrote and read the ads for for Dirty John. But also, uh, Hernan asked me if uh, I would be interested in hosting a history show, <laughs> and I of course said yes. And that mm-hmm. was American History Tellers, and it's just mm-hmm. been a a ride since then. At, which is an interesting ride because you're not a historian, and of course we're talking to Lindsey Graham of American Elections, Wicked Game. But again, you're not a historian, so did the storytelling part of it just evolve? Was that something that you brought over from doing the audiobooks? And how about the politics part of it? Because that's really very spot on too. That, that's got to take a bunch of research. So how, how do you prepare and give us a little sense as to kind of how this might have developed with the, the political angle to it? No, I am not a historian. <laughs> and um, uh, nor am I a writer or a storyteller. Or it, it, it's, uh, My podcast career is, is a series of accidents that, that is the best exemplification of uh, being a jack of all trades and master of none. Um, <laughs> So I just happen to be intensely interested in history and politics and the philosophy of government. I just happen to be pretty good with the technology of audio. I just happen to sound okay on a microphone. Uh, I just happen to have a connection to a, a, a you know blossoming podcast company. Um, put it all together, and and out comes a show that that uh, has a history focus 
but is very entertaining, hopefully, and and and, and high production values. I, I I I will take credit for all of that and none of it at the same time. I, I, I hope your audience understands that uh, that um, we have a immense talent and team of producers and writers and researchers. At this point, um, you know, after American History Tellers came out, another show, American Scandal, came out. Uh, then uh, a, another audio drama, 1865, came out. Then a short miniseries on uh, Jeffrey Epstein came out. And now American Elections Wicked Game came out. So, yes, I am very, very busy, and there's no way I could do this without... A, a competent team behind me. Um, so if you ask, how does this happen? You know, what, what goes into the research? Uh, at this point, I'm not researching uh, at all. Uh, I, I really have just editorial uh, duties on the back end and then, and then produce the things, you know, narrate and produce them. Um, but along the way, we've we've uh, the whole team has developed a voice and a method of of storytelling uh, that that seems to engage audiences that make makes history something interesting, but more than that, something empathetically human, which is really what I want to accomplish. I want people to realize that uh, your neighbor now is your neighbor in fourteen sixty three, and is you know uh, your friend now is your friend in eighteen seventy four. Um, that we were all we were all humans and and all Americans throughout the entire history. Well, and and congratulations too, because American History Tellers debuted at number one. People are listening; they're excited about this form of storytelling, this this subject of history. You really have hit on something something very big, and I and I think it's I think it's very important. And you you really deserve a lot of a lot of credit. You, of course, and the team. You're you're, you're very modest, but this is this is a big deal. Number one on Apple Podcasts, that, that is amazing. So then just kind of a, as a broad question, do you, do you think that this kind of, this storytelling changes the way we educate about history? Not just kind of my audience, the 55 plus audience, but how about, how about younger kids even in, in middle school or high school? Seems like this would be a great way to kind of test this theory about this is this, the way storytelling ought to kind of work when educating about history. I think so. I, I've, I've certainly received a fair amount of feedback from U.S. history teachers and, mm. and uh, um, themselves who love the show and use the show in their classrooms. Um, and certainly I've received a bunch of comments, probably one of the most common uh, reviews of, of these shows is that I wish history classes were this interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I'll tell you, we don't, of course, we do set out to make an interesting show, but not at the expense of history. And in fact, I think the 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 drama of history makes the interesting makes it easy to make it interest, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing we do that if there is a formula for success for us is to focus on characters rather than timelines or facts. Um, if, for instance, you're worried about an embargo act <laughs> or if, for instance, you're uh, afraid of the communists in 1952 or uh, suspicious of immigrants in 1912, uh, I don't, I don't want to know the policy reasons <laughs> for those things. I want to know the personal reasons. And I think that connection to 
the everyday lives of Americans and how history influenced them and how they influenced history is the is what makes these shows interesting. Again, congratulations. I, I just think this is a marvelous story. And the stories you tell are really wonderful too. You you mentioned at the at uh, really at the outset that there are fifty eight episodes in total, uh, at least for American Elections Wicked Game, and uh, they've not all dropped yet. But but maybe give us uh, uh, a sense as to how the show's going to build as we get closer to to our U.S. Election Day in in twenty twenty. It's about twelve months away, is all. Yeah, sure. Um, I I think there there will probably be. Um, and I'm, I'm making this up right now, but it, mm-hmm. as the show is coming together, I, I feel like there are three phases of the show. There's the early American history with all the names we we recognize. Washington, Jefferson, Adams, Hamilton, the whole bit, right? Um, and in this period, political parties don't really exist and factionalism is is fought and 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 viewed with suspicion. That's probably phase one. Phase two is the middle of America's chronology in which party politics not only begins, but really entrenches and gets very earnest about their dastardly deeds. <laughs> um, and so we will, this is the part, part that I think most people will be uh, uh, le- the least familiar with, and, but need to know the most because this is when partisanship really got ugly and so many echoes of the past uh i mean just today i was talking to another historian one of our fact checkers about the echoes of a recount in florida that that affected you know the the election of 1876 then phase three which which will happen many many weeks from now will be the modern era probably after we get through FDR and and in the post-war era, when the modern political system as we know it starts to form. And this will be more, not new knowledge for most of our audience because no one really understands Chester Arthur. Um, (laughs) But but a a, a review, and a review of, of what really happened, who Republicans and Democrats really were in these moments and what positions they really took and how they are very different from Republicans and Democrats today, but also very similar. So I think, uh, I think these 58 weeks will be in those three acts and, and they each will have a different purpose for the listener. Good. Lots to look forward to. Well, tell us, what have you learned about these elections that, that's inspired you to, to do this work, to do the rest of the episodes, and, and, and especially all the research that you're doing? Um, you know, I will, I will answer that <laughs> by referring to uh, an interview that I heard, I can't remember where, though, um, with, with Ken Burns. Because he's asked all, often about his, his productions, did you mean to reflect the modern day so much when you were putting this produ- uh, production together. Because invariably, the parallels just leap out at you. There's no way that, that Ken Burns wasn't trying to say this about today when retelling some story about yesterday, whether it's Vietnam or, or country music. <laughs> but what he said was, uh, no, I, he never plans to say anything about today, 
because his projects take 10, 15 years. The, the today <laughs> that uh, is that when his, the, the today in which his projects debut couldn't be imagined. But invariably, the history of whatever he's working on will reflect on exactly the day that his projects debut. And I found that to be true every single time I research any of these elections, that they are all anchored in the common strife, common struggle, common principles, common human issues and American issues that we've had since the beginning. Uh, certainly we have a different character from other nations and certainly we have different regionalities and, and uh, desires. But the, the remarkable similarity from us today to the us then uh, is, is, is shocking. And that's really the point of the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for that. Well, last question. I know, I know you're super busy with all of this, but American History Tellers, certainly American Elections, Wicked Game. These are, these are great podcasts. What else can we look forward to um, from Lindsey Graham and, and, and your relationship with Wondery? Um, well, that's a good question. I am deep in, in production on uh, American Elections, Wicked Game, but mm -hmm. um, our audio drama 1865 finished up over the summer, and I enjoyed it so much uh, uh, that I really want to do more of it. Um, so we are thinking about a follow-up season to 1865 mm -hmm. um, that explores further the, the Reconstruction era after the Civil War and maybe particularly President Grant's administration. Um, in addition to that, I, I'm thinking about more audio drama uh, projects, but also some narrative history shows that, uh, that are very interesting to me that might follow up American elections. Uh, the idea of following something chronologically, uh, a, a chronological review of, of, of American history is interesting. So if, if I've covered American elections, maybe I'll turn my attention to something else. Um, I don't quite know what that is, but uh, two, two possibilities would be um, American wealth. I'm fascinated by uh, commerce and the history of, of making money in America. Um, or the economics of not making money in America. Um, and... Um, or American warfare, which would which would be an audience favorite for sure. Uh, mm -hmm. Always getting requests for uh, do do the wars. <laughs> uh, so what one of those? What are those two? Maybe both. Who knows? But but something's coming. <laughs> A busy man. Again, the name of the podcast is American Elections Wicked Game. We're going to put links up to where you can find that show specifically and more about Lindsey Graham. But Lindsey Graham, thanks so much for your generous time today. This this is such a a great way to learn, yes, but it is absolutely entertainment. So, gosh, what, what, a, what a pleasure it is to, to speak with you. And please keep, keep it going. Well, thank you. Yeah, it was a pleasure speaking to you, and I will keep it going. <laughs> thank you. My thanks to Lindsey Graham. And please stick around for a minute to hear Lindsey's newest podcast with Wondery, American Elections, Wicked Game. But before that, I want to thank Wondery for arranging today's interview, as well as you, our wonderful Not Old Better Show audience, for giving me your time today. We know your time is important, and so I really appreciate you giving it to us today. Talk about better, the Not Old Better Show. Thanks, everybody. Hamilton's strategy to deny the presidency to Thomas Jefferson and John Adams was simple. 
Find a respected Southern Federalist who could steal votes away from Adams in the North and Jefferson in the South. Hamilton's man was Thomas Pinckney, a war hero, a diplomat, and the former governor of South Carolina. The reputable Pinckney had name recognition, but he had strikes against him too. Pinckney was a plantation owner, and he was ardently pro-slavery. Because of his conduct as vice president, John Adams was still popular with many in his party, especially in the North, where anti-slavery sentiment was more common. So Hamilton had to be clever. Publicly, he encouraged all electors to vote evenly for Adams and Pinckney. But behind closed doors, he was singing a different tune. Writing again as Phocion, Hamilton urged, Were I a Southern planter owning Negroes, I should be 10,000 times more alarmed at Mr. Jefferson's ardent wish for emancipation than at Mr. Adams' system of checks and balances. But Hamilton was not giving a nod to Adams. He was blowing a dog whistle to Southern voters. Federalists in the South were ardently pro-slavery. If Jefferson could be cast as an advocate of emancipation, Hamilton hoped that Southern pro-slavery interests would reject Jefferson, pass over the anti-slavery John Adams, and swing to his candidate, Thomas Pinckney. Pinckney was already far more popular than Adams in the South, and if Hamilton could build a coalition of Jefferson defectors in the South and win over enough electors in the North, Pinckney could edge Adams out. Adams did not see Hamilton coming, but Thomas Jefferson did. He wrote a letter to Adams, You may be cheated of your succession by a trick worthy the subtlety of your arch friend of New York. But at the urging of James Madison, Jefferson never sent the letter. Madison convinced Jefferson his letter might be misconstrued as an attempt to gin up discontent among the Federalists. It was better to leave the scheming to Alexander Hamilton. Hamilton's ploy would not stay a secret forever, though. In the run-up to the 1796 election, the truth would come out, and his plan would backfire. Hamilton's relationship with John Adams would be damaged, his standing in the Federalist Party compromised, and his greatest political enemy, Thomas Jefferson, would be handed the second highest office in the land. Hamilton's scheme would be exposed by one of his longtime political foes, the powerhouse in New York politics, and Thomas Jefferson's vice presidential running mate, Senator Aaron Burr. That was just a preview of American Elections Wicked Game. You can hear the rest of this episode and more when you subscribe today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now.